Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, today we travel back in time to 1952 Romania, where the nun takes over. That's right. Stay tuned. It's Anatomy of Movie. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now. Here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes I mix the intro a little bit just to keep you on your toes. We have Father Dimitri Panos. Hey, welcome back, by the way. It's good to yes. have you back. Good to be Both back. We had Marissa's part of this, but we know how much she loves horror movies. She hasn't taken her vows. <laughs> That's a good one. Anywho, I'm Phil Svitek. Excited to be back for those of you who follow us regularly. For those of you just joining us for the very first time, well, welcome. A couple of things about the show. Number one, we don't talk about it from a review perspective. Of course, we give our opinion. We give the storylines and, and talk about that in depth. But we also talk about the behind-the-scenes making of, really rounding out the movie, the full sure. movie, not just the story. And, of course, by that definition, it is spoiler-filled, so if you haven't seen the movie be forewarned also because it is part of the conjuring universe we will touch upon other aspects of sure. those films whether it be annabelle or the conjurings so uh there's your warning as always uh to kick things off let us give our overall impression of this movie dimitri you horror buff yeah yeah uh, i was really looking forward to this movie uh j- just from the marketing i actually think it was one of the better like it was a great trailer Really, really great trailer, and 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 there is some merit in the movie The Nun. Uh, I've thought there was solid direction by Colin Hardy. Uh, the movie is very atmospheric, and uh, I even go so far as it was very Hammer esque, as in Hammer, you know, Hammer movies, Hammer films. Uh, I loved the Transylvania location because it always brings you back to like Dracula and horror. Um, I felt the performances were decent, and it the movie itself delivers some 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 good jump scares. If it had only had a story, hmm. if I, I mean, I, I was waiting for this explanation, this grand explanation of who the hell this Varric, this nun is, and I got none, none. I got you got a <laughs> so nun. I got none, and you know, I. I it seemed that that the only pure reason in existence of this movie was to just tie it into the Conjuring universe. And so, you know, at the end of the day, and I'm going to say it right now, I'm going to say it, so just wait for it. At the end of the day, it was just nonsense. <laughs> All right. 
Well, we'll take that as pun intended. Yes. But a boom. All right. Well, you know, I was excited for this movie. Um, you know, I think we'll talk about the advertisements particularly because um, even those came out of nowhere for me. I think I, I saw this trailer first with The Incredibles 2. Not a good pairing when, especially Wait, if. You're joking. Nope. And we'll talk about that. Okay. Anywho, as far as the actual movie, um, I thought overall it was it, it, it worked. It had enough jump scares, but I just didn't like the mystery aspect of it um, because we sort of knew the truth from the very get go, from the very first scene, and then you know we're we're like miles ahead of the characters. In fact, we're like right. we're in Transylvania while they're they're in transit to Transylvania, right? Uh, in, in mentally, you know, so to speak. And so when three quarters of the way they find out finally like what happened to the original nun. It's like, oh well, yeah, we knew that. Well, yeah, and and again, I just wanted. I thought we were really going to get this like big origin story of where Valak, like, what is Valak? Where does Valak come from? And whatever it is, it's just it's sort of kind of boring. Um, you know, they had they had this great line, which and this surprised me as well. They, there was a great line in the movie. That comes from another source. That comes from another uh, media. It comes from um, a book called The Keep, which was turned into a movie. Uh, F. Paul Wilson is the author of that. Uh, and again, it takes place in a keep and or a castle with all these crosses. In The Nun, there's a line of dialogue where, where somebody says, these crosses weren't meant to keep something out. Or keep something from these. Uh, these crosses weren't meant from keeping something from coming going in. in. It's to keep something from going out. That premise alone is the main story in this in this book mm. and hence movie, The Keep. And I was like, okay, I've already seen this before. Like, are they ripping that off? Um, is this Valak supposed to be that entity of evil that is in the keep? Because that entity in the movie, well, the book, the keep ends up in a series of books called Repairman Jack, right? It's this dark entity. And I was wondering, like when I had heard that my ears pricked up, I said, that's the keep, but it had a very similar story. There's this evil that comes up, this Valak thing, and it became the nun or it's, and I was like, I just wanted a better origin story and things were happening in this movie, albeit delivering some chills and and some scares, but they weren't tied. It's like we have our scares. Yeah. It's trying to connect the dot of a story to the scares. Yeah. It's very much, you kind of have to work backwards, almost like a murder mystery where you, you figure out what the ending is and then work backwards. And, I didn't see enough evidence of that. It really was a letdown, um, you know, in that aspect. Especially, there was so much interesting stuff overall that that they could have gotten into. Uh, you know, I liked, I liked the three characters. Me I really too. did. They were the most. If it wasn't for them, and if it wasn't for the actors that portrayed them, I don't think this would have worked 100% as well. Agree. Um. So. But let's uh, let's sort of break it down, right? Um, this... well, I want to bring up one other thing too. I w- another reason I was really looking forward to this movie is because they got Annabelle creation so right, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we talked about that movie. That is a legitimate good horror movie. 
fits really well into the Conjuring universe. And after watching the trailer, I was expecting the nun to be as good, you know. So that's where there's sort of kind of that letdown for me. Yeah, well, you know, a couple of things could go into that. Um, I mean, Hardy is not – he's not the most well-known director. You know, he's – this is his second movie. Yeah, he did The Hallows, which is a lot of people like. It's pretty decent. You so know. and he has a good style, and again, I don't blame him either. I mean, would you agree that this movie definitely had its style? He 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 moved the camera really well. In fact, there were times where he almost put you in, like from a POV uh, sort of thing. His direction was pretty decent. I the, the the direction was, and I I think it all kind of boils down to story. Yeah, um, for sure. If you if you kind of really look at it. They've been really ramping up as far as the Conjurings, right? Um, they're just coming out fast and heavy. Annabelle Creation came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, all that not too long ago as far as, like, development and so forth. And um, this was announced a little bit ago in 2016 and, and whatnot. And the script went through a couple of changes right. fi- uh, as far as the writing and so forth. And... You know, and then, then things kind of came to be, but I, I think they just, maybe they're getting too fast as far as output. Yeah, well, this one just seemed, we had this, and, and the amazing thing about this particular movie, too, it was about a character that was in The Conjuring 2 for a very brief time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, 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 there was, we just knew it was this evil entity, and, and more or less, the nun is a cameo, <laughs> as is in Annabelle Creation. I mean, she's the button on that one. Right. She's not even in the movie. I mean, it's a cameo. Uh, And then they built a whole movie around it. And what I I liked and I respected how they could tie it into the first Conjuring when uh, in the first Conjuring movie, um, uh, the – who was Ed Ed and – what are their last name? Uh, Ed and his wife, Vera Famiga – uh, well, I'm blanking on their names. Forgive me. When they're 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 at a college doing a lecture and they're showing excerpts of an exorcism. Lorraine, Ed and Lorraine. Ed and Lorraine are doing. Yeah, they're, they're showing excerpts of an exorcist that they were a part of, and that exorcist is what ties us to the nun because it ends up being Frenchy that <laughs> they're uh, that they're exor- exorcising. So I, I liked that tie-in. But I wanted more about, you know, the – I wanted more about this entity and this Valak and and the nun itself. And obviously it ends because we also know that Lorraine is is uh, deeply disturbed from this exorcism. I believe it is said in The Conjuring that she had this really horrible experience. Um, they even mentioned Amityville. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie uh, as well, and so yes, they're they're building this universe out more and more. Um, and if you you introduce us to this cameo character who's very horrifying to begin with, but I just wanted more of this origin so that we get a better idea. Of well, it was, it was all, all these things never went deeper. Mm. Right, even the notion that um, that sister Irene, who hadn't taken her vows, um, and unfortunately Marissa's not here because she's like 
she's not the expert, but she is the anatomy expert on on uh, Christianity, yeah. and Catholicism, and and yeah, yeah. And absolutely. Obviously, that was made out to be a big thing, but as far as how it tied into what was going on here, I didn't fully understand the connection. And not that I need like exposition galore, but just a little bit to really hammer it home. The other aspect of it, uh, you know, they kept saying the prayers and so forth, and. Like it's like okay, I, I understand the theory of prayer, but what is significant about this prayer and this and that? It, it, it just all these things were made to be very significant, but I didn't fully understand why. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you regarding uh, the Irene character and and audience too. I want to throw this out to you as well because when they brought up the fact because it comes on very early, right, that she has not completed her vows. Watching a horror movie of the nun in the Conjuring universe, at least my first thought was, oh, great. You're building what can potentially be a great character. Maybe this character even becomes the nun because maybe throughout the movie she's going to question whether she wants to take her vows, whether she believes or she questions Christianity. None of that happened. She was good, but they could have had a really deep character. Like, how do you come out of a horrible I, I, like ordeal and still believe, you know, you have to have your faith. And I think for a, a person who's becoming a nun, I think a great thing is that halfway through the movie, she starts to question her faith. Yeah. Like, you know, whether... Well, and, I, the, also, too, the the movie was very separated deliberately, meaning yeah. a, a, the characters kept going off on their own so many times, and they kept having their own storylines, quite literally. Father Burke, he had his own past that was supposed to tie in, but then Sister Irene, you know, Mary points the way, that was supposed to tie in, and then right. somehow, uh, you know, Frenchie's past, while not as deep, somehow ties into things as well, and just... How do all these things tie in together? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, I, I mean, yes, it, it makes sense, but it, that doesn't mean it was the best. <laughs> no, no, I, I agreed. Um, like her sister Irene's life, like, I mean, what it boils down to, her whole life has been leading to this, where Mary points the way. Like, that's that's right. what that's what the past is. But then Father Burke's, to me, was the most confusing as far as the exorcism of the child. Yeah, it was confusing, and the scene in which they threw in there, albeit it was it, it was scary and creepy, and I'm talking about the dreamlike leading to the graveyard, which had an amazing setup, too, because mm-hmm. he and Irene were at the graveyard before, and there was this uh, really good exposition, but it was explanation of why there were bells tethered to the tombstones and it's because of the plague and people were being buried alive and if they were alive and they woke up they could ring a bell and be unearthed i was like i I never knew that that's wow that's cool you know it's going to be coming you know it's going to come up and it's going to come into play because why explain it to me in the first place and you know that a lot of bells are going to so when you're in this thing it sort of came off as a dream to me and and then, you know, you hear all the bells, but then it's like, oh, this isn't a dream. Wait, this happened. Wait, how the hell did this happen? And then I was like, what is going on here? And how well, does this he, tie he, into the nun? The, the biggest mistake 
when it comes to the to paranormal movies is that oh the paranormal is unexplainable. Okay, that's not entirely true. No, it has to have some logic, even if it's there's logic to the illogical. But that's why you have Lorraine and her husband that like they explain the paranormal. So right there, right using your logic, the Conjuring movies right out the window. Yeah, no, it is explainable. This is why things happen at 3 o'clock and this and Angry Spirits so and we can get them out. And you're right. This movie's going against it saying, well, we'll just throw it in there and just say, it's a supernatural. We don't have to explain it. Yeah, and that's the... I, 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 it's a mistake. Know, yeah, I, I didn't like that. I mean, as far as what I will applaud them, like the you know keeping of the monster in, so to speak, I like that, but I just then want to know more about kind of what was what, what was the imminent threat? You know, the Crusaders came in here, and that was all well and good. But like, what, what was the imminent threat? Right. Because um, I th- I thought that was interesting enough. Well, you know? then I I do highly recommend you read the book The Keep because <laughs> that is the premise. I mean that that was the whole thing of that book, and that's why I couldn't help like because that line of dialogue is, you know, they're not trying to keep something from getting in they're trying to keep this entity from getting out that's why all of these crosses and some of them upside down and it very much reminded me of that story um so it, it was really interesting and i don't know if the author of the keep like has seen the nun going wait a minute they're, he's sort of kind of they're sort of kind of ripping off my story here because obviously this evil gets out um and I'm wondering if it's going to play in Conjuring 3 now or what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, what's interesting enough, obviously, with, with whenever you build a universe and you're jumping timelines the way they are, you have to become more intricate with each new story because it has to fit into the puzzle. And yet, because this is the first one, the only thing that needed to come out of it was that the nun possessed Frenchie. And and yet it feels so convoluted, like they're serving so many masters when they don't need to. <laughs> I like how you put. Yeah, it. And my question is, why did it need to possess Frenchie if in Conjuring Two, the nun, like we see the nun there? Like, I forget what year Conjuring Two took place, but I thought seventies. Yeah, and. Let me double check. It, 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 so I just wonder, why did you need... 76, like, 76 for Conjuring 2. Okay, so why did you need Frenchie? If the nun is appearing in 1976, why do you need it to take over Frenchie? Like, I just took that this nun was an evil entity, and that's it. Evil entity, it's in the form of a nun that's creepy enough it doesn't need to take anybody over. It's just a nun out in this world. And, I mean, I guess if you're going to tie it into our Conjuring heroes, Ed and Lorraine, okay, then in that aspect I sort of get it. But at the same time, it's a, then it's unnecessary to have a nun at that point. I, yeah. Well, let me ask you a dumb question. Sure. The nun, I'm just dumb enough to answer. The nun that walked with Sister Irene eventually, like she she became the vehicle of exposition. Yes. 
That was the same nun that killed herself, yes? The so, one that we see at the beginning of the movie that, that yes. killed herself? Yeah, that's the way I was... Because I couldn't the quite... Way, here's the thing. They, they looked quite similar. Yes. And I know, like, for those of you in the comments section or whatever, and if you, if you know the answer, like, please, I know I will be crucified for this. Um, but it, it just became confusing because I was like, okay, initially when I first saw her, wait, is that the same person? Is she not? And obviously, obviously, like these are not premonitions, but uh, she's seeing spirits, right. so called. And so then it was like, oh, it is her, and she's putting two and two together. But just the mechanism of all of this was just off. It was, and and we get double whammied because of the trailer too. So. <laughs> When you see the trailer, because this was the highlight of the trailer, uh, was this particular scene, and you notice how they they really did jump cut around, like they really edited, they edited other pieces of this movie to make this trailer, um, because the scene, the great shot of her fr- from outside of the castle, and you see the candlelight. Why don't we uh, here? Why don't we do this, uh, Juliet? Why don't you play that clip? And then, right, um, and then that way we can discuss yeah, it rather yeah. than theorize about sure. it. So here we go. You have it ready? I take that as a yes. Maybe no. I'm just not really sure what you're looking for. Just play the trailer. That's all. That's all. Here we go. We're going to play the trailer. The suspense is killing us. It's killing me. Here we go. Trailer is playing. All right. So this is the scene. That was the scene that I'm talking about. So there's a scene where she's got the lantern, right? Mm-hmm. That scene is a different scene in the movie because mm-hmm. I thought it was leading to this. So I was like, so it's it's brilliant uh, bait and switch and editing for a trailer because they cut to her being down the call- hallway, mm-hmm. as we're going to see, which is great and again you're watching the you know you're watching her walk down the nun this nun comes from behind her we don't know watching the trailer who this nun is but we do think it is an entity of evil yeah the nun behind her which leads to the amazing jump scare that we get now in the movie we are given more information and here, Hello. Boom. It looked a very effective trailer. In the movie, we are we're already conditioned to the trailer, but now we're given more information. And I do agree with you. I believe the nun who is following her behind her was the nun who committed suicide at the beginning. Let's just say sacrificed herself mm-hmm. so that this evil entity would not escape the keep. That's who I thought it was. Um, that's who it seemed. She seemed to be guiding her. She she put two and two together, and that's why towards the end, like the, right before they like fight off, you know, in, in the well, let's call it whatever. You, um, you know, they 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 come to that realization like she didn't kill herself; she sacrificed herself. So that right. way, and it was like. Yeah, but didn't we know that? I, 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 I literally... Did, I know, I know. <laughs> maybe my, my genius was so ahead of me that I was like, wait, didn't we know that? Of course we uh, knew that. Am I dumb? Like, wait, what? It yeah. just made me 
double question everything that I was I, already knew. I felt the same way. And, and when you talk, when you, when that happens, it takes away other suspense. Like it's, it doesn't affect the jump scare like that, but it affects the rest of the story going through because it's like, I shouldn't be that much smarter than my characters. Like almost it was almost as if they gave us too much information and we should have been going along this mystery. Like we shouldn't have seen that whole um, prologue. Like had you had it where a nun just commits suicide jumping out of like, had we not seen the two nuns at the gate at the door and we just saw a nun running down the hall with Valak nun chasing after her and she has no other way to go and she jumps out the window and we're thinking suicide as the mystery goes on and then it's then we go oh she it wasn't suicide like well I, I even think an easier switch right hey, Father Burke of all people is made to be the most incompetent um, I forget what they called him the um, whatever the special forces <laughs> right. of the Vatican let's just say Anyway, he of all people, having done this multiple times, should literally just be able to walk in there like, this is no suicide. This is a sacrifice. Like, that's opening line for him when he arrives. You, you, day one, you tell, right. like, this is, this is, you know, a creepy True. place. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, like, um, <laughs> one of the things I did like uh, was, was the interaction with, um, I don't know what you call her, like, the, let's say the head nun. Yes. From day yeah. one when they arrive, I was like. Oh, yeah. Issues. You don't want to like check her face. You don't want to like just just <laughs> do a little anything. This is this is quite creepy. In the movie, oh, that's one thing we haven't mentioned. The movie was not without humor too, um, and it was and it was interesting because most of the time humor is is put into a horror movie to to give you a breather from the horror. Like you know, you 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 take a break, you laugh. In this movie, the the humor was funny, but it just. I was trying to, like, it didn't break up horror or anything. It was really, not that it was misplaced, but it just, like, the rest of the movie was just seemed to be thrown in there. It was just jumbled. Like, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, like, preceding or coming after a major horror scene that we saw. Whatever. It was kind of jarring. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, I didn't, maybe there was so much other stuff to kind of process that I didn't necessarily mind that too much, mm-hmm. but... Like, for example, as the nuns are um, haunting Frenchie, you know, in the, in the graveyard, and, and he just literally pulls out the cross right, uh, and just walks away with the most giant thing, I laughed. Yeah. You know? I, and it's such a very Frenchy thing to do. Uh-huh. I like that character, too, by the way. It's... Although, okay, so speaking of that, his name being Frenchie, that was either the most convoluted or the... It just seems... <laughs> So out of left field, he's not French. He's French Canadian. Yes, but he goes by Frenchie, so that's... Juliet. You're French, Juliet. Our producer in the booth. What is the French's disdain? Question mark of French Canadians, and why would the French Canadians have a disdain towards the French and have a need to say, "I'm not French. I'm French Canadian." Well, I'm not going to get into too much of the drama, but it has been an ongoing story. And people just really want to make the distinction. And I think we see this in England, right? People are very proud to be from a particular part and don't call them what they're not. Gotcha. All right. All right. Well, 
How it helped save him from the nun? I don't know. Well, did it, though? Did it at the end he of the day? He thought he did. did. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but Jonas Bloquette, I believe his name is, he was he was good. I mean, actually, our Tessa Formiga, Damian Bashir, uh, our three main leads here, I thought they did a good job. I, I mean, I liked, you know, I would have liked them in a better movie, but I still like their characters. I wish more things were developed of them because when you have these three people, you have a nun who hasn't taken her vows, a priest who gets sent on what the Vatican believes to be these silly things that they don't really want proved, but they send them there anyways. Um, and then you have this this, this French Canadian guy who's he's a journeyman. And he's just looking for an ex-gig, but he understands the folk and lore that's going on here. So he's sort of like the everyman, right? So you have all these, you have like really good tropes. And you have this, you have this priest who can help this nun along. And and there's questioning of faith and like, so you had three good characters that you enjoy because of their performance. And unfortunately, they they do just end up getting stranded and things that don't necessarily pan out. Let me uh, ask you this. Um, as far as um, Firminga, I thought um, I thought she did a wonderful, wonderful job. However, given that she is the younger sister of Vera, uh-huh. going into it, there was some trepidation about hiring her, but... Uh, but they, you know, they saw hundreds of auditions, and she was truly, truly the best. However, um, Anthony, who's guest Anthony Becerra, who's guested on our show a couple of times mm-hmm. and does horror movie news, he thought Sister Irene would become um, Lorraine. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I had the same thought. I mean, it would have, or, or at the very least. Yeah, I mean it was 1952, so yeah, I tack on a couple of other, tack on 20 years. Yeah, she would have been, you know, you could have made the argument that she would have turned into Lorraine, which would make sense. And again, it would have gone to that's a far better story of someone who is practicing in Catholicism mm-hmm. to be so. In horror, and and she could feel things, too. That was the other connection, because she had a sense of things, much like Lorraine does, right? And so I thought, well, this makes perfect sense. She was going to be a nun. All these horrific events, and she has these feelings. She's like, whoa, she questions that, and then she becomes a medium, Mm -hmm. which is essentially something that is going to study all this supernatural that to me is a better story but well it also <laughs> just the way it's because we get the epilogue of the of the nun but we also or the the prologue rather and we also get ed and lorraine and so that kind of sets up that we're, we're just more and more going back in time right. to see how these things happened yeah um and so it made it, it made sense now i Personally, wasn't buying it, but I saw it with Anthony, and he just kept nudging me. He's like, "That's gonna, she's gonna become Lorraine." I was like, "I don't know, dude." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was it was a thought that came up, but there were too many there were too many things. Like number one, it would have been a cheap bait and switch, being that her name was Sister, Sister Irene. Irene. Plenty like, of characters I mean, have changed their name after sh- traumatic events. Yeah, I suppose, but it just 
seemed she was way too serious on becoming a nun. And then when she was taking her vows to fight this off. Well, at that point, yeah. You're just like, oh, okay. You know, and I don't know if maybe maybe the screenwriters had thought about doing that. Maybe they thought it would have been too much of a cheat or maybe cheap that the audience wouldn't necessarily buy it. But you could have done it in a... I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think, well, I don't, as far as them, the story-wise, I don't think they thought of it because they weren't casting at the same time that they were writing. I mean, that, that would have been a, a major rewrite going forward. The only other thing that um, really did not, well, the other thing that's the big naysayer of it all is that Lorraine, like, the true person was never a nun. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, Lorraine <laughs> was based off of a, of a, of a real person, and that... Yeah. He, there was already a lawsuit going on with Warner Brothers about the characters. You're not going to play around with that anymore. So she was never a nun, and she'd go, "What are you doing with my life? Why? Why? Why?" <laughs> so that's the. I think that to put a fine point on it. Is, what a what a what a, what a that's it. Like you just think of that as you're watching the movie. And it's like, nope, can't do it. Yeah, I mean the, the pro, like. What's good about the movie is that you really didn't need too much going into it. It was a standalone piece. And yet sure. they try like this whole idea they, they I think they put too much to try to tie it in when yeah, you didn't, yeah. didn't need I, it. I, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting because we've talked about this too in Anatomy, is that this conjuring universe it's still being headed by James Wan, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, his input into these movies and his input is here. Uh, his fingerprints are all they're here, which is a good thing. They've made up their own, in a sense, Marvel universe within this, and they've been able to give us not just conjuring after conjuring after conjuring. You know, we've got an Annabelle. First Annabelle movie, not so good, but creation is really good, right? Uh, we have this nun, not it's not great, but it, it's there. And we have the two Conjuring movies. We know we're going to get a third. And I'm wondering where and how they're positioning uh, other spinoffs mm-hmm. to fall within this world. Uh, it could be what was the other? What was the main monster in Conjuring Two? The the the, the slim man, the the, the, uh, the man in the chair. I mean, I don't know if we'll know more about that character as well, but. They are really expanding out this universe. I like what they're doing. Look, two of the movies, one's, I wasn't really a big fan of the first Annabelle at all. At least The Nun has a sense of style about mm. it that I appreciated. And I did like the actors. So Yeah, I would love to see, you know, there, there's talk of a nun too. And what, that's fine. I don't. I don't necessarily. I think. I think that could be good. But I'm more interested in Father Burke and Sister Irene. And I, I there, yeah. And I want to follow up. Well, it, you know why though? Because in a sense, they parallel Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. yeah and and that's that's a good connection, even though they've never met. But they are the Ed and Lorraine of 1952 at this keep and doing whatever and following the nun. That's in a sense what they are, and that's that's why I was let down that they didn't have more scenes together. <clears throat> Me too. Um, they really spend most of the time apart, uh, and and really not helping each other. So, <laughs> yeah, and the writers here too have also written like Annabelle Creation, uh, and I think they're actually very good at keying in on finding new talent. So, 
you know, this Curtis, he he did the Hallows. Juan liked the Hallows, thought he would be good for this. Uh, so I, I like this because we are mining new good horror talent and they're being mentored or they're being brought up, to, you know, they're being brought into a good farm system, you know, mm-hmm. for when they go out and, and do whatever other movies or if they want to continue as horror movies, you know, it's, it's a good way to start. Mm-hmm. Not a bad way to start. Um, Absolutely. <clears throat> Well, let, let's sort of shift gears and talk about uh, – one of the things I want to talk about is the location, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, y- you don't get better than going to the – pretty much the, the real thing. You, you go to Bucharest, Romania, yeah. and you film it there. Now, uh, they even went to, like, the Palace of the Parliament, and um, 5,000 euro per hour they had to yeah. spend. I so. have – yeah, the whole thing uh, about locations, locations, locations here. So, yes – in, filmed entirely in Romania, which adds to the feel, right? Uh, in and around uh, Bucharest and Transylvania, notably two, two 14th century castles and an abandoned medieval fort. And so, and then they built studios at Castle Film Studios in Bucharest. So, and there's a reason why they needed actual studios, but if you'll allow... Um, so in Transylvania, right, they had this, um, Corvin Castle, Corvin Castle, first location. Uh, that's, uh, to find their Abbey of St. Carta. Filmmakers flew to Bucharest, then drove to Transylvania, spending hours winding through remote villages in historic regions of Romania. Now, right there, just reading this. And this is coming from, like, press notes. Like, all I can picture is that long, winding road that goes up in Transylvania to Dracula's castle. So they found Corvin's castle, an original structure which was occupied, which has occupied the side of the mountain since the 14th century. I mean, the 14th century. So they're in the heart of Transylvania. Uh, They had to build... At the castle as the real entrance, a very long bridge with a moat underneath it, okay, uh, to accommodate the story. And the team constructed a new access point at the back of the castle, and the team leveled the ground to build the framework, took a cast of one of the castle's wall to create additional wall pieces so that they can carve into them, and... You know, words like sinners and which blood drips into and things like that. Sort of cool. Uh, So the castle owners, catch this. Usually in a production, if you don't know, if they're coming to use your property uh, and if they have to do any remodel on the property, they will come in, wreck it, refix it. They can leave it. If they're modifying it, they can leave it or they put it back to exactly the way your house was, right? That's part of the deal. In this case, the castle owners were so pleased with the addition, they requested the functioning set to remain. <laughs> Can we keep it? It's like, you know, it'll, it enhances the castle for future tourists. And they should, sure. <laughs> like, that's really cool. So uh, I really thought that that was uh, really cool. And then we've got... Uh, if I'm pronouncing Bethlehem, Bethlehem Castle. Uh, so, and this was basically used uh, for 
to match well it needed to match perfectly with our first castle but they were using the the rooms uh these were our characters were staying the night sleeping oh the 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 covenant or yeah, yeah. um so this is basically it, it and it was designed by Corful Corvin Castle's medieval architect with the same style, so it was perfect for shooting purposes. And the Bethlehem Castle was idea uh, for the Covenant at the Abbey, where Father Burke, Sister Irene, are told to stay the night. Uh, all the rooms were unfinished, like this was back then. They were all unfinished and in disarray. There were no working windows, so it was a blank canvas for them to use. And there were few organic things already there. <laughs> You know, it's not only helped the film, but it's nice to give uh, something back. They they were able to, like, model doors or refix certain things. So, And it was also their grounds at this at this castle were also used for the graveyard mm-hmm. as well. And, again, we're talking things that are not next door to each other. So there was a lot of travel. But with movie magic and editing, you know, it's like, hey, it's this one <laughs> castle and, like, Got a ground, you got a graveyard, it's all it's all got the makings of a really spooky movie, which is sort of cool. And then they went to this uh Monsignora Fort, almost so Soea Fort. That was their third location. And this was an abandoned military compound. And they used this for all the tunnel sequences that we saw. In the movie, these dark hallways. So again, movie magic at its best uh, to to edit all these different locations together to make it look like this one keep, this one castle. That's really, really cool. And then the only reason why they had to use this uh, Kessel Film Studio in Bucharest is because they're not allowed, um, you know, they're not allowed to film in churches. So they had to go in, get the churches, and so they built the they built the churches or the insides of the churches, and they used two of the big sound stages. That's actually when you think about it, that's a lot of location shooting, not a lot of sound stage. I mean, you got to figure, sort of kind of helps with the budget. Right? Yeah, and I mean, it took them less than forty days, or so, thirty-eight to be more exact. Right. Um, and I mean, not that not, not that the movie spans that many places, but we yeah. did go to the Vatican, we did go to London, and yeah. we did go to um, whatever the village is that uh, Frenchie lives in before sure. he gets to the Abbey. Oh, I wanted to ask you: Did you notice there was an Easter egg, if you can call it that? Okay. Okay. In in Frenchie's village, so when he meets up with her father and sister Irene. And he says, "Yeah, sure, I'll take you over to the castles." And it was that it was that great. It was a good bait and switch joke. It was like they come up and we see the pickup truck, mm-hmm. and they're going, "Oh!" And, and Frenchie goes around and he disappears. And so, thinking that he's in the cab of the truck, they put their bags in the truck, and then the truck goes away, <laughs> only <laughs> leaving us to see Frenchie with a horse and <laughs> a mule or a horse <laughs> with the thing. The license plate of the truck. Had the words, the license plate read, not all in one word, but it was like number, number, V-A, number, number, R-I-K, or A-K, um, Valak. For Valak. Valak, v- yeah. It said Valak on the license plate, which I, I thought was interesting. 
Fair enough. I did not see that. It was there. <laughs> Somebody else that saw the movie out there, you can verify for me. I believe you. I just wasn't looking at the license plate. <laughs> yeah. So it's I just so Valak. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. Um you know, speaking of uh like when it when it comes to horror movies, obviously the sound design, whether it be the score or right. the actual sound effects uh, themselves always play a key part into it. And uh overall like as far as the music, I really like that ominous church-esque but horrified music. Yes, it's church-esque, but it goes against everything <laughs> that's yeah. in a church. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it lends to the again, the movie is not without its chills and its scares, particularly since we're talking about that church. The whole point of it, like when all the nuns come in and they're mm-hmm. like all praying really fast and the camera goes up and there's a circle and like from a visual standpoint and from a music standpoint really creepy really well put together scenes like that that was a good scene it was you know it was and again like visually it was i just wish i knew sort of what the importance what the hell is. What was going on? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because I it just, and not that I want more exposition in my movies, but just. No, I, I agree. Just take out the fluff and then keep what's necessary. I agree. Necessary. I, but it, I was just going from a cinematography to a. Yeah, no, it was. It was to, a, to a music standpoint. That the music here, and, and the other thing about the music is that it never, from a level of volume, it never exceeded. Like, it never overtook the movie to me. Like, mm-hmm. I never, like, felt like I was, oh, God. Um, it really did play as that perfect bed to add to the creepiness of, of this castle and mm-hmm. of the church scenes and of the nun coming from well, behind the, the perfect marriage of all these things was was the graveyard scene when, when he is buried. And yes. she, she's out there to find him. Yes. Because, you know, you've got the music, you've got her... Sort of being frantic, and, and and yeah, the bells is the main component of it, and I think they they, they did a good job of like um, distributing it in the theater of like yes, one's here, one's here, and like and the way she's looking, you know, kind of she's the sounds dictates her movement, and uh, it was really cool to follow if you pay attention that yeah, closely. I don't know, uh, I saw it in a in a Dolby theater IMAX. Uh, I saw this particular movie at the AMC at Century City. The sound design and sound editing, to your point, were fantastic. So you're right. Like, the bells were to my left or to my right. A a crow could caw (laughs) over here. And literally, more so in the graveyard, I felt that it was really utilized uh, Mm. to its fullest. It was. I was like, "Wow, I'm. I am impressed by the sound here and what is going on on screen. It really worked like very well. Like so, if you've seen it, hopefully you had a very similar experience. And again, I really hate to tool on this movie because all of these other aspects come together so well <laughs> that they do. You know, they do, and that's that's the real shame of it. Um. What I, I you know I, I teased at the top that I want to talk about the marketing, the, aka the trailer. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I have never seen a trailer like this. Now, what made it so effective 
What is that? I certainly was not expecting this. Certainly not in an Incredibles 2 screening. <laughs> Where, because the, the jump scare, I've never seen that level of a jump scare in no. a movie theater. No. And it'd be one thing, usually like trailers, sometimes they play the volume a little bit lower. This was cranked up, in, in the words of Spinal Tap, to 11. To <laughs> And you just you just jolt because because you're and and you know it, it, we we played the scene a little bit earlier you can watch the trailer if you forgot but you know the creepiness is in the nun and that's contextualized you're like oh this is this is leading somewhere bad but then we're sideswiped literally and uh, yeah I think the entire theater quite literally jumped yeah and I'm surprised I mean I'd be very surprised if that theater. Right there and then, if parents weren't getting up to complain to a theater manager or something, because that's a blatant mistake to have a, a, a trailer for a rated R horror movie, no less, on a Disney Pixar Incredibles 2, regardless that Incredibles 2 is PG-13. Um, that's still a that's a no, no. Like, you don't you don't do that regarding the jump scare aspect of it. You're right. The first time I saw the trailer. <clears throat> Uh, I actually felt it was very John Carpenter-ish because, you know, that's a Carpenter technique where following a camera and there's nothing in the background, the camera will move or the character will move or the camera moves to show you something else. Camera comes back in the character and right there is your boogeyman in the background. And then uh, the other thing that Carpenter was really brilliant and able to do is is set up a good jump scare. Um it, it, again, these things just kept on coming when you're when you're close up. The other thing, again, Trailer utilized an amazing sound mix because we heard whisperings of the Sister And then when she turns around, and it's like hello. And then when it comes from the side, again, that's a that that to me. Anyways, I view it as a great John Carpenter. Like I'm going to focus your attention here or do a major close up. And then, boom, you're going to back into somebody without knowing it. That's what this scene was all about. I thought it was masterfully done. I've never seen it as a trailer. The trailer itself ended up being taken down from YouTube because <laughs> people were complaining of jump scares. Of a jump scare. <laughs> you're complaining to... Look, you're complaining on Incredibles 2. I get it. You paid money to go to a family kids movie and you're seeing an, a, a very effective trailer for a horror movie you're on youtube you're actually choosing to click on this like well there's you can't um, be that stupid <laughs> and then you're gonna complain about it i think it was more so the it was more so the advertisement so the the the, the ads that play in front of a video this became unskippable and that's why it was taken down. Okay. It was. It's not like the trailer itself the trailer was taken was down. Taken down. I had read. It was. It was hundred, the, uh, none trailer taken down. But yeah, it was no. An ad. It, it, it was the ad that it, it, it was the trailer as an ad form for other videos. So if, oh, let's okay. say even if whatever I clicked, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like R-rated content that is not porn or something know, like that. Not that there's <laughs> porn on YouTube, but. I don't know something, whatever. You're watching the trailer for the Predator. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm about to watch the trailer for the Predator. This would come on before I get to watch the trailer for the Predator, and it's just they didn't like that. So. Yeah. Well. Okay. All right. Okay. Listen, I'm not saying I agree with it, no. but um, to that same token, it's not like the ads that I watch on YouTube are sure. ones that I got to pick out. Yeah. So, and especially if it's unskippable. Sure. Mm. I hear you. Anywho. Um, 
listen, at the end of the day, though, something worked because this thing in over a month is the first thing that beat out Crazy Rich Asians. It beat out so many movies. It, it Yeah, I mean, listen, and this is another thing that, that this Conjuring universe has done, whether you like or dislike a movie, is that it is built up... It has built up an audience, and it has built up good will to this Conjuring universe. And the Nun, number one, I think they did a really good job marketing this movie. But when you end up doing the business that you end up doing, especially with the budget of this movie, which was like twenty-two million for the production budget, yes, eh, it might have been over sixty million all in, maybe a little bit more, give or take. But Jesus. When you do an opening weekend, and nobody predicted this again. I mean, tracking was so on point. They had this movie at 40, and it ends up doing $54 million, or 50, uh, opening weekend, 53.8, a roundup, but 53.8. Um, you know, it, that's on, on close to 4,000 locations. That's 3,876, right? That's, that's, a, that's a really spectacular opening day gross now huddle this in with foreign this is what blew me away this morning when i when i was looking at the grosses foreign this movie has brought in 109 million dollars thus far within a week it accounts for 62.8 percent of the gross bringing the worldwide gross to 173 million dollars that's that's for a movie that costs twenty two, let's just say even if you go high, including your hard drives and advertising, like let's say eighty, it's probably sixty to seventy. You've got one hundred and seventy, almost one hundred and seventy four million dollars already worldwide. That's that's incredible. You've made that, your money back. You, well, yeah, but it also <laughs> says. Horror is a worldwide entity, you know? It's not just here. We know that England is big on horror. They always have been. But when you look at the Hammer films, Germany um, uh, is such. But when you look at what horror, like what it, what it does worldwide, people really do love going to these kind of movies. Absolutely. You know? I, well, I, I think it's certainly building up quite, uh, you know, one way or the other. I I don't mind it being a new universe, and I think, it, again, each movie's hit or miss depends on the movie, but sure. but I think I, I, I like the direction overall. I am going to say this. All right, so we got opening weekend 53.8, right? Okay. For those watching, Phil, you remember, I am going to say this. I think there there is going to be another horror movie coming out in October that's going to beat this. And I do honestly believe, I believe that the Halloween movie that's coming out, the new one, uh, I believe that's going to, I believe that's going to beat this 53.8. I believe. We'll, we'll see. You know, but, you know, Blumhouse, uh, Warner Brothers, James Wan, you know, these people who've created this universe have done a really good job. They're making money, even on the not so good films. Absolutely. So, you know. Well, you know, this, this definitely goes on the not so good level. 26% on Rotten Tomatoes, C on Cinema Score. That surprised me. Uh, did you see it at a full house? 
Oh, mid-size. Yeah. Did you get a sense they liked the movie? I mean, my the theater I saw it in, I I heard some people screaming. I mean, they were screaming. Um, You know, I think... I don't know. I think people overall had the same sentiment as I did. You know, that that it worked, but could have been better. Yeah. So, I don't know. C is not good for... No, repeatability. Subsequent, subsequent weeks. And there's a lot coming. I mean, you know, I think we've been in a couple of down weeks apart from Crazy Rich Asians. You know, not the best stuff. Um, now now it's coming fast and heavy again. Yeah, and going into its second week, its main competition is going to be The Predator. And I have a feeling when you get a C rating, your hold isn't going to be as good. And, you know, I think The Predator will end up beating it out, uh, you know, beating this Nun movie out in a second week. But at $170 plus million, you're already fine. You're, you're, you're doing okay. And you're still going to get a couple of other weeks left to play in you before Halloween comes out, right? And you're, they're, they're doing okay. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how the next Conjuring does. Indeed. And, of course, we will be covering that. Um, but that's... That's not here. That's in the future. So thank you guys for joining us. If you want to check out other episodes, we do have other movies from the Conjuring universe. We do. Annabelle creation. Right? We have both Annabelle movies, Mm -hmm. Conjuring 2, and I believe even the first Conjuring. Who knows? If we don't, we're not historians. Well, I know that we definitely did Conjuring 2, and I know for a fact that we did Annabelle Annabelle because I saw that with Marissa. And I know we did Annabelle Creation because I remember raving about it on this panel saying how much of a better movie it was. So there you go. And we also do other horror movies. So um, we've done tons of them. I'm trying to think of all of them. Lights Out. That's a last year's one. It's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. Um, I'm sure there's what it we did last year. I'm trying to think of this year's it. ones. We did some this year. I, why I'm blinking, I don't know. I'm doing the same thing. But uh, we will be doing Halloween, as Dimitri mentioned, and a couple other things. But in the meantime, we're also doing... It's not that we all just do horror. We do the gamut of genres. So definitely lots and lots to check out. Um, thank you, guys. At DMovie1701 is where you can interact and support with Dimitri on a, on a daily level. He's more than happy to converse. Absolutely. As am I, at Phil Svitek. And, of course, the comment section is there for your enjoyment. Um, a lot of you guys, you know, don't always watch the movie right away. That's okay. But when you do, check us back out. doesn't matter when in time it is. That's yeah. the great part it, about it. it. Can I say something? You sent out a text to Marissa and myself earlier this week, and it was a text that floored me. And I know it floored you because you're like, oh, my God. You were looking at an, uh, an older, I mean, a movie that came out uh, two years ago, three years ago, that we did. It was, it was Tarzan, Legend of Tarzan. 203,000 views. 203. Awesome. Folks, we're YouTube stars. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, like when they stay up for so long, uh, it's great. Like, you always have us to come back to as a reference. Uh, or if you want to, like, commiserate with us or agree with us on a movie, you always have us to come back to. And people are getting on board. So thank you. Indeed. So thank you. We'll see you next time. Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.
The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.